Hello and welcome to the inaugural broadcast of From the Deep End. I am your preaching pool man, Jonathan Jenkins, coming to you from West Melbourne, Florida. This is our first time together. Let me tell you just a little bit about what we're trying to accomplish. Nothing earth shattering here. We're just I got the opportunities. I drive around throughout the day running my route. I've spent a lot of time alone here in my office and a lot of time alone in customer backyards. And I, strangely enough, I, I think I have more time to sit and th- sit around and think about the Bible and spiritual things than I did when I was full-time local work sitting in the office when the phone was always ringing and people were dropping by. So I, I have these thoughts throughout the day. Some of them I can tell you, some of them I can't. So I thought as part of the work that Eric and I are doing here on uh, digital Bible study, just take a few moments every now and again and drop drop off a, a thought or two that I've been having along the way. And um, these clips hopefully won't be too terribly long, won't take too much of your time, and maybe you'll find something good in them as we go along. I, I sure hope so. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about a topic that people discuss a lot, but I want to try and uh, 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 talk to you about, about uh, something that comes about uh, at the end of it, really. Uh, and that is Paul's thorn in the flesh. I've been thinking about that recently, and I was actually listening to the Bible on, on tape today as I was driving around, and we were li- I was listening through 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and came across that passage. And I know people got all kinds of different ideas about it, but I want to skip down to the end of that section, or toward the end of that section, where, where Paul has already petitioned God those three times to have the thorn in the flesh removed, and, and, and God has told him no uh, of those times. And the answer that God provides him is simply that my grace is sufficient for you. Now that answer is uh, one that is, 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 is a powerful answer, but I think we miss the point of it in some ways. Uh, sometimes we do at least. Well, let's take a moment and look at, at the, one of the common understandings of the thorn in the flesh. Uh, most people have the idea that it's probably some kind of physical ailment. They take that phrase, thorn in the flesh, quite literally, that there was actually some physical problem in the body of Paul that he was petitioning God to have removed. And because of that, or God says that God gets a response to that, that no, I'm not going to remove it. The grace that I provide you is sufficient for you to, to, uh, to, to handle the problem that you have. Um, I don't particularly agree with the, the idea that Paul's thorn in the flesh was something physical. I think that phrase is to, to be taken uh, more figuratively. It is, it, it occur, or at least similar phrases to that occur about four or five other times in the Bible, the Old Testament in particular. Uh, if you reflect back to the book of Joshua and Judges when uh, uh, the Israelites failed to drive the nations out that were around them, uh, the Bible says that they will be thorns in your sides and thorns in your eyes, and they're going to afflict you through all your time. Um, and, you know, the most common or most uh, closest phrase I think we have to it in, in our language is that somebody is a pain in our, and then obviously some colorful phrases, phrases follow that, but probably the only one we can say together is somebody's a pain in my neck. And, and I kind of think that's what Paul's actually talking about here, that that phrase thorn in the flesh is a figurative phrase. And then the literal phrase, he was a messenger of Satan, is probably to be taken literal. There was either a group of people or a single person that was a messenger of Satan that was afflicting Paul in his ministry. But that's not actually the point. I just want to, since we're on the topic, and I th- thought I'd throw out my idea on it. But I want you to take a, a broader look at what's going on here in 2 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12. There is an attack going on the apostleship of Paul, and, and he is having to defend himself against those attacks. And he says over and again through that text that that he is speaking as a madman. He, he, he's, he's humiliating himself to, to try and, and, and get the, the point across to the Corinthians that, that his credentials indeed match up to those super apostles, some translation false apostles that, that were around him. If you get down to the end of chapter 11, he, he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. 
Uh, are they children of the, the, the seed of Abraham? Again, so am I. So he's saying all of these things. Here are my credentials. And to Paul, the church, the Corinthian church, would he, he considered himself very much to be uh, a, a, a father to them. He uses that language a little bit later on. He is having to drop down to some very low depths to explain himself, to defend his apostleship. I think he even gets to the end of, over into chapter 13. And a passage we use sometimes in reference to the Lord's Supper, where Paul says, examine yourselves, so whether you be in the faith, to see if Christ is indeed in you. Uh, we take that in a very you know, serious manner, and it, certainly it's serious in that sense, but I think that phrase is dripping with sarcasm. Pa Paul is pleading with these people, how do you not understand that because of the work that I've done among you, how that you're not in Christ? How is it possible that some other teachers have come in, and now they're trying to enslave you, and you suffer them freely enough? but not me. And, and so I, that's the context in which he's found himself in. So whatever the thorn in the flesh is, what we have here is Paul being given an abundance of revelation, and I do believe the man in 2 Corinthians 12 is, that, is Paul that he's talking of himself uh, in that instance, that um, he's given an abundance of revelation. And then he says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh so that I might not be uh, uh, too proud about the, the abundance of the revelation that I have. Now, I'll stop and think about that for just a moment. Paul doesn't simply say, I have a thorn in the flesh. Paul says, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. So it was given to him. It was purposeful. It was intended to do this, which makes me really question as to whether or not, you know, I've got to figure out who gave him that thorn in the flesh. If it's given to him, somebody had to give it to him. Did God give it to him? If that's true, I've got some other theological questions I'd like to ask you about the character and the nature of God, because it seems quite odd that God would give him a thorn in the flesh physically assault him in some way and then turn around and say well don't worry don't worry I don't, I don't i don't need to take it away from you you just need to trust me my grace is good enough for you that seems a little bit out of character for god as we see elsewhere if it's a physical element that satan gave him i have to begin to question how did satan get the authority to do that the only other time i can find in scripture that that god gave it to him provided it to him was again uh, in the time of Job, and he had to get authority and permission from God to do it. So th th there, th there are some problems I see in that. However, whatever it was, the function of it was to bring humiliation to Paul. And that's what he's having to defend. He's having to defend himself, to explain himself. He says, I am being humbled by it. God's answer is, my grace is sufficient. Now let's think about that for a second. My grace is sufficient. What's that mean? Well, the first question I'd like to ask about it is, sufficient to do what? My grace is sufficient for you to do what? Well, if we take the common understanding, which, you know, for lack of a better terminology for, for, for me to come up with, it, it, the way I hear people talk about the verse, it's almost as if God is telling him to let go and let God. Don't worry about it, Paul. I'm not going to remove your circumstance. I'm not going to fix your, your pain or your ailment or, or whatever it is. I'm not going to fix it. But the grace of salvation that I have provided you should be enough to keep you motivated and moving on and, and struggling through it for the rest of your life. You'll be able to overcome it in that way. There's not going to be any relief. There's not going to be any victory. There's not going to be necessarily any triumph because it's not going to be removed. It's always going to be there. Whatever it is, you're going to have it. That, to me, again, puts us in a very passive position. It almost puts us in the position of a victim, as I understand it. But I think if you look, look, more, look at this context and understand more broadly how Paul often <coughs> excuse me, uses the word grace, you might have a different understanding about it. 
as Paul says in, in Romans 1 and verse 5, he says, that was given to him both grace and apostleship. Over in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul uses the word grace about three or four times in the first, oh, six or seven verses of that, of that text to describe, once again, his apostolic ministry. He says uh, that the, the grace of God, the stewardship of the grace of God was given to him. The gospel of Christ was given to him. But down in verse 7, I believe it is, he says uh, uh, that to me, among, uh, who's least of all the saints, was this grace given and that grace given was to preach that mystery of the Christ, the one he just defined in verse 6 of Ephesians 3. This grace was given to allow him to preach this uh, the unsearchable riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ among the Gentiles. He's talking about his prophetic apostolic ministry. And Paul uses that's just a couple of instances. If you read through his writings, he uses the word grace to describe the dispensation of revelation given to the apostles and first century prophets all the time. Now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and put that within the context of what he's been talking about. At the beginning of chapter 12, he says to them, there has been an abundance of revelation that has been provided to me. As you get past that, as you get down a little bit deeper in the passage and you get in like 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12, he says that truly, rather the signs of a true apostle will work among you. What were they? Well, they were done in signs and wonders and the ESV I think has and mighty works or power. Now go back to verse, uh, uh, the, the verse that says, my grace is sufficient to you. What is the second half of that verse say? He says, for my power, God does, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's talking about a grace that is attached to power that is then manifested in signs and wonders and mighty deeds within the, within the Corinthian church. What God is telling Paul is not that the thorn in the flesh is, it needs to just be endured. Not that the, the grace of his favor and his loving kindness and maybe his providence is sufficient to allow Paul to endure the problems of a thorn in the flesh. What Paul is, what God is telling Paul is that my grace, the dispensation of grace, the, the abundance of the revelation that I have provided for you is enough for you to be victorious over the problems that you're facing. I have given you the tools. I have given you the substance of revelation that you need to overcome your problems. It puts Paul not in the position of a passive uh, a victim who, 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 is, who is just has to accept the circumstances that he's, that he's within with no hope of relief. In other words, it's as if Paul or God is actually saying to Paul, instead of let go and let me, Paul is, God is approaching Paul, in my opinion, much more like Paul or God rather approached Joshua after the defeated Ai. Get up. Go get the sin out of the camp. I told you what to do to, 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 to defeat Jericho, and you didn't do it. Now there's sin in the camp. Go get it out. You know what to do. You've got the tools to do it. Go do it. Paul, don't worry about your thorn in the flesh. Whether it's a physical element or I think it's actually his adversaries that he's discussing there in 2 Corinthians 11 and 12, whatever it is. I've given you the tools. I have provided you my insight, my knowledge, my revelation, access to my power. Now go fix the problem. Go teach the gospel to the Corinthians. Go stop the mouths of those who oppose you and so on. It is, it is a position of empowerment. It is God telling Paul, through me, you have access to everything you need to overcome and solve the problems that are facing you. And I think that's the message we ought to take away from Paul's thorn in the flesh. Whatever it is that's afflicting your life, you have, through God, at least we're just talking spiritual matters here, you have the power you have access to the revelation, to the knowledge, to the wisdom, to whatever it is you need to have, God's given it to you. His grace, meaning his revelation, his word, is sufficient to handle the problems you're facing in life. It's up to you to go find out how. 
It's up to you to keep continuing to study and to find out where I can solve the problems that I'm facing me. So don't let go and let God in that sense. Get up. Go do what God wants you to do in every circumstance of your life, and you know how to do that because it's contained right there in the text of the Scriptures. A pleasure being with you today. I hope you enjoyed this broadcast, and I'll see you again on the next one here from the deep end. Thank you very much.